Okay, gang. We're going to go ahead and start. Uh, I introduced myself downstairs, but I'll do it again. My name is Blake Holmes. And uh, again, I just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming, being a part of training day. I know some of you, this may be your first time at, at Watermark. Others of you may have been here longer than I have. But um, regardless, uh, we're excited about today and what uh, ways in which I think and I know you're going to be encouraged. And um, I just want to start by acknowledging that, uh, you know, this is a real answer to prayer that Scott and Jen are even able to be here. And, uh, and I just really am grateful for uh, the Lord's kindness and goodness and um, allowing her to feel as good as she does after having uh, recent treatment. And so I know many of us prayed for her, and, and uh, I couldn't get her to sit down. She's kind of jumping up and down and talking to everybody. And I was like, hey, Jen, it's going to be a long day. And so why don't you just sit? And, um, and so she's probably going to stand and, and break all the rules. But um, you can help me have her just sit and relax. But um, we're going to allow them really to, to tell their story and share what it is the Lord has, has taught them. Um, and to kind of manage the day as, as they see fit and, and is, is best for them and just how, uh, how she's doing. So uh, I thank you for coming. And I know for many of you, the reason why you're here is because you love this family. And, um, and you've traveled the journey with them and you know them well. And uh, it's fun um, to be able to gather as people who know them personally and love them and learn from them and hear what God it is what God is teaching to them. And I'm thankful for just their faithfulness and being able to turn and teach that to us, right? And that's, that's hard to do sometimes. So um, they'll be the first to tell you this has not been easy. They'll be the first to tell you there have been nights where they've uh, had to ask hard questions, but that's okay. That's the, what's great about the God we serve. All you have to do is open up the Psalms and you'll see that we have a God who is not afraid of our questions and uh, welcomes our questions and invites us to pray and wrestle and struggle. And so um, I'm thankful for their faithfulness and willingness to be here and teach. I I want you just to know, um, I want to remind you again, I say this often, um, your theology really matters. Your theology really matters. And when I say theology, I think sometimes a lot of people, um, they, they, they divorce, they separate theology from everyday life. It's somehow we have doctrines that we check, it's teaching we understand, but then we don't realize how what we believe, what we trust in, impacts our everyday decisions. And um, it wasn't long ago, uh, just recently, that... Uh, I was a, I was at a memorial service for uh, one of our staff members um, who lost a little boy at 15 days old, 15 days old. And uh, he and his wife stood there and spoke about um, the goodness of our God and the hope they have in Christ. And then it was not long after that, just got in my car and I happened to go s- to sit down and speak with, with Scott and Jennifer about this day. And, I, and I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm listening to her about the hope that she has and the things that she believes. Okay. And I'm going, man, 
Uh, and then not long after that, um, the next day, I, I went and visited my mother-in-law, and, uh, who recently passed uh, just this week of complications with dementia. And, um, and what was amazing is sitting in that room is watching my father-in-law, my wife, their friends, my sister-in-law, reading scripture and singing hymns as she lay there in bed. And I, and I was reminded again, hey, what you believe about God, what your theology is, really matters. And so um, this is a time where uh, I hope you are equipped and you come to a greater understanding of what Scripture has to say about heaven, about what our hope is. I hope you know that um, Scott and Jennifer aren't just, what's so encouraging about them is they're not just talking about it, they're living it out and they're walking it. And that ministers to me, that blesses me. Watching the Crawfords up there at the memorial service of their 15-day-old son ministered to me, taught me, instructed my heart, encouraged me listening to family and friends, singing while a loved one is about to go home to glory. Why do they do that? And that's, that's the thing you've got to realize is a watching world looks at the classes and goes, I don't understand that. I don't understand where joy and hope and peace comes from. And, uh, and I love the fact they're willing to tell them. They're willing to tell them. And so this is a real treat. And I, it's a privilege for me to be able to introduce them. I'm excited that um, we have the opportunity to come be a part of this. So you come on in, guys. I know it's crowded, but there's tables back here. You can find, find some spots. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to turn it over to Scott. Scott loves to teach. And uh, so he's going to – he's got the first, I think, hour and a half, right? Almost, he's got the first hour and a half. Jen's got the last 15 minutes. It's going to be great. And, uh, and, and, then, uh, and then let them have the, the opportunity to share what the Lord's taught them. So let me, let me pray, okay? Well, Father, I just stopped to thank you, Father, for um, the fact that you have allowed us all to assemble here this morning. And... Um, and that you use other people in their trials and in their circumstances to instruct our hearts and to encourage us in our faith, to inform our theology. I thank you, Father, that, um, that even in the midst of a really, really difficult journey you've asked them to walk, that um, Scott and Jen have been found faithful. And, um, and, Lord, they have turned to your word for answers and for hope and for comfort and peace. I thank you, Father, that during trials and um, pain and sickness and hurt, you use other people within the body of Christ to encourage us. And um, I thank you for the many people who have um, blessed and encouraged, prayed for, invested in, given to um, the Klaus family, and many of them assembled in this room. So Lord, may this just be a, a really a mutually encouraging time. May you be honored and glorified. And thank you, Father, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That, um, that we are able to say, 
as Paul did, whether it's a memorial service for a little boy at 15 days or regardless of the circumstance, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your victory? Because of the hope we have in Christ. And, um, and Lord, thank you for the promise of heaven and what your word does reveal about it. We know there's mystery there, but we also recognize that you have revealed more about heaven than more of us even realize or know. So um, bless this time. We give it to you. Thank you for the Klaus family. Thank you for how well Jen feels right now. Would you give her strength? And, um, and Lord, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Um, well, welcome to heaven. We're calling it 101 or intro to heaven. Um, and we got to see a lot of familiar faces when we walked in and lots of new faces too. So we're excited y'all are here. Um, my role today, I am not, uh, teaching is not part of my spiritual gifting. So uh, Jen will be uh, doing most of the talking today. But uh, what I wanted to do is introduce her to you. Um, and then share a little bit of our story and our family and uh, why I think Jen's uniquely equipped to, to speak on this topic here today. Um, Jen is, um, she didn't want me bragging on her, so I'll try to tone it down, but um, Jen loves uh, God's Word. She loves to teach God's Word, and she loves people. And uh, I think that's a recipe for um, a good teacher. And so she's currently co-leading a Bible study, Neighborhood Studies, I think it's called. It's open. I'll let her um, uh, tell you all about that later if she wants. Uh, With Kay Wyma, she co-leads that with her. Um, And she used to teach um, the woman's Bible study here back when it was known as Highlight. And I know we've got some Highlight alumnus in here if y'all want to do a shout out for Highlight. But, um, but anyway, so I'm excited that y'all get to hear from my wife. Um, I know especially you guys, we don't get to hear from some really gifted women. And so um, her style is a little bit more, you know, conversational and discussion based. So be prepared to share. Um, but anyway, I think it's going to be a real gift. And, and I'm going to kind of sit down here and just enjoy it along with you guys. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of our story. Jen and I were married uh, six years ago this April. Um, we were both way late to the marriage game. I was mid-40s, late 30s for Jen. Um, we, even before marriage and early into our marriage, we were not sure, you know, if we wanted to have a kid. Um, we thought maybe that ship had sailed and... Uh, <laughs> So we were just kind of, I don't know if we were indifferent, but we just thought, you know, we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. And what happened was about a year and three months later, Lincoln popped out. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh, there he is right there. That's our little boy, Lincoln, um, and Jen with a little bit shorter here. Um, And um, anyway, so uh, during our pregnancy, Jen, I'd say about eight months in, she noticed a lump um, on her breast, and we were thinking it's a milk duck or something that was clogged. And so um, one of our dear friends, who used to be a nurse, said, you need to go see a doctor. And so um, we went, and they did a biopsy, and of course we heard some really bad news that it was cancer. And that's always a shock to the system. And um, um, of course, Jen 
you know, women, vanity, you know, first question is, am I going to lose my hair? And I'm like, baby, we got bigger fish to fry. But uh, <laughs> so, um, and then we found out, I mean, you just kind of get ushered into this whirlwind of doctors and tests and, and whatnot. And we found out it was pretty aggressive and it had already spread to her lymph nodes. Um, and so they treated with chemo first and then a surgery. It was a lumpectomy. And then they also... Um, removed all of her lymph nodes under her right armpit. And um, so chemo, surgery, radiation, um, and then um, kind of a therapy that you put you put her on for anti-hormone um, therapy. And so um, I would say life was fairly normal after that. I mean, you just, your hope is, is that they got the cancer and you're, you're fine. And so her hair grew back and she was excited about that, and um, and we had about I would say two years of of you know just normal life again. And I don't know I don't know that we really lived in fear that it would come back. But um, in February uh, of 2012, and correct me, babe, if I get my dates wrong here, but um, Jen was doing yoga. December. That's December. my first diagnosis. You're close. February 2012 was the very first diagnosis. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, there we go. Uh, and then December 2014. 2014. So Jen was doing yoga. She's not super coordinated. And she, hey. I mean, she is. I'm real proud of my headstand. She was, doing, she was doing an aggressive handstand or something. <laughs> but um, anyway, she toppled over. And later that night, we were having dinner with friends. And she's like, man, I am in so much pain in my back. And I don't know what's going on. And um, and so we just kind of put ice on it that night and it was really, really hurting. And so the next day we took her to the emergency room and with some dear friends who are here now, the Krauses who love us uh, so well. Um, and, um, they ran a battery of tests with some x-rays, nothing showed up. And then, um, they ran another test and, uh, we've been waiting for about four hours and the doctor came in and um I think we were hoping that it was they, we were fully convinced it was a kidney stone. Yeah, a kidney stone or something. And and then it, of course we're like, well, we didn't want to come in here for nothing. You kinda of hope it's something and <laughs> um but we didn't we didn't want the news that we got, which, you know, he came in and I could tell by his countenance. He said it's back and that's the last thing you want to hear. And so what that meant is that it had now traveled outside of uh, it, really the fear all along was that it had gone from the breast to the lymph nodes and then a seed, if you will, had traveled into her body somewhere. And so um that had happened and once you know, once that happens, you're basically playing defense. There's no cure. There's no way to eradicate it. And so um, what had happened was the cancer, the, 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 what took us to the emergency room where the doctor was a bone, and uh, the cancer had metastasized in a bone and a rib, and it had broken her rib. And so um, at that point, it had spread pretty extensively. We had come to find out later. So we spent about 10 days in the hospital recovering from that. Um, and... Super sad. I mean, I, we're, we're sad for our little guy, Lincoln. I think that just kind of brings me to tears when, when I think about him, you know, growing up without a mama and really not knowing how awesome his mama is. And, um, and so that brings us great grief. There's a ton of sadness uh, with that. Um, but um, 
I remember sitting in the hospital and I looked at Jen and I was like, well, you know what, babe? You know, I think we finally get to see if we believe what we truly believe. Is there a God in heaven? Is there, you know, um, is heaven real? Is there a resurrection of the dead? And so um, until you're faced with death, you really don't, I don't know, I don't know that you ever kind of get at that to that place where you're really contemplating that. And so... Uh, Jen kind of started diving into heaven studies and has uh, taught on that. And, um, um, and like I said, I think she's just u- uniquely equipped to share. So um, did I leave out anything? Okay. That's where we are today. I would say if you're curious, um, you know, we asked some really hard questions. We wanted to know the truth. We were just like, cut to the chase, doctor. What, what's, what's the prognosis here? And for metastatic stage four breast cancer, which is what Jen has, the average lifespan is 26 months. And so we are currently 14 months into that. And so if you do the math, you know, maybe, maybe she has a, a year to live if you're playing the percentages. And so I am encouraged by her faith and her strength and her, I don't know, just her courage, and um, she's my hero in many ways. And so, again, I'm encouraged and excited that y'all get to hear from her today. Um, And can I pray for you? Okay. Um, Father God, I do. I thank you. I am humbled of the fact that she's sitting here um, two days after chemo. She's normally laid out and um, cannot even get out of bed. And so I, I do just... Um, restores my belief in you and, and your power that she's even sitting here and that you do answer prayers because I know a lot of folks in this room have been praying for for her. And, Lord, she feels good. And not only that, she's excited to be here. And so that's an absolute miracle and a blessing. And, um, and Lord, I'm grateful that, um, that we as believers, though we're sad, we, we don't grieve as those without hope. And uh, we're grateful uh, that our citizenship is in heaven and that we anxiously await uh, being reunited with you. And Lord, I pray today that we would just have a greater understanding of heaven. Um, and Lord, that that would make us long for that day and that we wouldn't look at Jen with pity. We would look at her uh, with envy uh, that she gets to be there. And so, Lord, I just pray for Jen. I pray for her words today. I pray for clarity of thought. Um, I pray that others here would be excited, uh, really, about the prize of our faith, which is heaven. And um, I just pray that whatever is revealed and whatever is understood, Lord, that you would uh, get all the honor and the praise and all the glory. And so we pray it in your son's name, and um, uh, we just look forward to what you uh, you have for us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thanks, babe. Um, you want to stay? I can stay, but I'm not going to say much. I'll turn my mind off. Um, I don't know how we got these really cool, cozy seats, but I'm thinking this is greatness. So I hope y'all can see us and hear us okay, because this probably is really good for me. I don't know that I can contain myself to stay seated, um, but it's probably good for me, so I'm going to try. Um, I am so honored to be here. Um, yeah. Um, it's still weird. And wild to me that someone is telling my story and that's my story. I'm going to still kind of lay there and think, is it really me? Is it like, do I really have stage four breast cancer? Is this really our story? Is this our life? And not in a depressed way, but in a, it's almost still surreal. It's still kind of sometimes hard for us to believe. And, um, and yet, um, 
We have seen the Lord's uh, kindness over and over and over. And, um, and then that he would, uh, I, for a long time, just kind of had the little phrase in my head that he's so merciful that he would ever choose us to be his sons and daughters. And then mercy, and as maybe John 1, 16 says, grace upon grace, that he would choose us and use us for his glory. And so I don't know how he does all that he does, but that I, that he would choose me as his child and that he would use our story for his glory is an incredible gift to me. So thanks for being here to share a gift. Um, and that's really my heart was to let the Lord use our story um, and, and what he's taught me. And Scott nailed it. It was there in the hospital room that he said to me, we get to see if we really believe what we say we believe about, um, about the, the assurance of my salvation. Was I assured um, and confident in the Lord's grace being sufficient for my salvation? And having grown up in the church and knowing the biblical truths, that sounds easy to say until you really do think you're or know or been told that you are um, facing death. Um, and that, so that was kind of the first real poignant, do we believe what we say we believe? And then secondly is, is there life after death? And is it really a hope? And is it really a great source of joy um, in a way that um, alters today's reality? Um, and I really just want to share uh, my excitement about it because and remove the fear um, about um, death because I think once I got really excited, then it erased, it started really um, eroding that fear of death that I think is innate in all of us. And I think that's because of the curse. I think that's very much the fall of man as we were intended to live forever in a perfect, beautiful, wonderful place with a perfect, beautiful, wonderful king. And when that was destroyed in Genesis 3, since then we fear death and we live in a sinful world. So it's almost like our brains don't know how to consider any other way to live. And so once I started setting my mind on things above, as Colossians 3 talks about, then it really helped address my fear of death. So the gift is twofold in my excitement about heaven and then allowing me to, I think, walk with much more grace into the valley of the shadow of death. And um, my prayer was that it would really just for y'all and for myself was it would encourage my heart is that it would remind me of all these things I've said I'm really excited about. And so when I have to study them again, I look the verses up again and I share them again. It does that work again in my heart. And I need those reminders all the time. I mean, I, as much as I am truly excited about heaven, of course, duh, there's that little boy that I love so much. I lay in bed and I just, I think I can't imagine the day that I have to say goodbye. And I know that day's coming. And um, I feel like one of the gifts I got was that someone in our, we've kind of started a little support group for women that have breast cancer diagnosed in their 40s because average age is 62. And so if you have breast cancer, they want to talk about how young you are the time. And I'm like, I see the mirror. I don't feel so young. But if they want to call me young all the time, I'm great with that. Um, and so statistically speaking, that is so rare that um, we start a little support group for that. And one of the girls that I met through that has gone on to be with the Lord ahead of me. And as I read her blog, and she had little boys that were two and one, and I read her husband talk about um, that mama telling those boys goodbye, and that mama looking at her husband and him promising her that he would take care of them. I mean, of course, those take a mama's breath away. And that separation is probably the greatest thing I fear. Um, I mean, I love Scott and I love the people in this room and my mom's here, but there's something specifically about this child that can't comprehend that is in a, a level of pain and anxiety that's different than surrendering my adult husband or my adult mom into the community faith in their world. 
Um, so I need to be encouraged again, too, about the hope that awaits me. Um, and I just, one of the things, if you've been around me very long, I even wrote a blog entry called, um, don't hate me because I have cancer because, um, y'all, you get pretty well loved on and like kind of spoiled rotten. It's like, it's almost like you have to beg someone to let you buy a meal. Um, and I mean, I think I'm like dressed, like Sue, do you recognize the sweater you bought me? And like some jewelry here from the wards. And I mean, I really, I'm like, oh, thanks Cece for my bracelet I love. Oh, Lucy, these bracelets are from you. It's like everything about me is like some gift from somebody. Um, and so, um, and so I feel like there are incredible gifts in, in cancer. And I think not everybody gets to, I mean, one of the things that, y'all may not have, or some of you will have, um, you know, we don't always get a warning about our death. And I think that's one of God's mercies in a terminal illness. And so I've been forewarned and we'll talk about that a little bit. Cause that's one of the gifts again, that I want to pass on. But I, I just really pray that I could give you some of the gifts of cancer without cancer. And so if I can give you a perspective on heaven without having to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, then that would be a real joy to me. Um, but I don't want you to have chemo or radiation or surgery or a prognosis. Um, and so that's kind of my heart um, uh, for being with y'all today. And I, um, I do love to teach God's word, but I've always been too insecure to raise my hand and say, hey, can I teach this or tell someone I want to teach until this topic? And it's actually friends over here's fault that said to me, um, you know, my wife's heard you talk about this, but what about the guys? Could you ever do something with guys and girls? And so I did. I'd never done it before, but I reached out to Blake and said, would you let me um, do a training day and talk about heaven. So here I am, and here y'all are, and thank you for coming. Um, Scott did a great job wrapping up our story. Um, you know, as I started thinking about heaven, um, just a couple of verses that I wanted to share that really guide the way I think and the guide. It was honestly hard for me initially to even be so excited. You don't have to get your Bible out yet. It's okay. Y'all are all wrestling. wrestling. Um, was that... I was a real conflicted soul that um, I felt like if I got really sad about Lincoln or my family or things I'd missed, then I struggled feeling like maybe I wasn't believing what I said I believed. But if I got really convicted and convinced and full in touch with the fullness of what I said I believe, which is heaven, then I felt guilty because maybe I don't miss and love my son enough. Does this make any sense to you? So it's I almost, there's almost this incredible tension in my heart is the more excited I get about heaven, the more guilty I feel that I'm not more sad for Lincoln. And the more sad I am for Lincoln and Scott and my mom or the friends that I love so much, then I feel badly that I feel like I don't believe what I say I believe. And when I first started teaching about heaven, I felt, um, and studying it, I felt, um, just a little conflicted. I felt like people were maybe uncomfortable with how comfortable I was on heaven. In fact, I've been told that. Could you be a little less comfortable about heaven? Because um, we'd like to keep you a little longer or it's just frankly awkward because you're talking about it all the time. And I make jokes all the time. Oh my gosh, y'all. I'm sorry because the Sylvia that made everything possible for us today administratively, Jamie is my best friend from childhood and her family's here, but we have walked and the Lord just really did I feel like in our friendship, he's brought her back to town after years of being away for this season. And uh, we just say that, I mean, it's true in life, right? You can cry or laugh and sometimes you can't do both, but lots of times you can do both. And we have done everything. She wanted to go this past week to visit at the burial site where I'm going to bury her. And then we're there laughing. It's like, how in the Lord's kindness going to be standing where you're going to be buried and we're laughing. And I'm like, I don't know, but only he can do that. But yesterday, y'all, the email, if y'all signed up in advance, the email y'all got about today did anyone else catch it? Yeah. Ah! 
Our beloved Jennifer Klaus has passed on. Did y'all read it? A note about the class. But it said, are y'all with me? If you pulled up your email, it said, and on mine, it actually was just the first line. Our beloved Jennifer Klaus has passed on. A note about tomorrow's class. And so Jamie was like, what not to put on the girl who's dying of breast cancer's intro? And I was, uh, I was working on my notes and Scott had gone into our bedroom and I was like, babe, listen. He's like, that is classic. Um, and I couldn't help, I didn't want Sylvia to feel better, but I could not help at like nine o'clock at night to text it to Blake and Sylvia and be like, hee hee, y'all said I passed on. There's no talk tomorrow because she passed on. Okay, but I mean, please laugh with us. Although it's probably sometimes, I have told some people, sometimes maybe some of those things that maybe I can laugh at more than y'all can laugh about. So be careful. This guy like me talking about my family and you talking about my family. Um, but um, so, but going back to that tension, I'm queen of a soapbox. So I've jumped off on that soapbox and I'm back to the tension between being really excited about heaven and really loving things of this earth. And I feel like the Lord really gave me a gift because I've always loved these verses, but they are rich and real and true to me and alive right now. And that is out of Philippians 1. From, to me, to live is Christ. And you know it, to die is gain, but we don't live like that. And so I really hope that somehow today you walk away with just this thought of like, I'm a little more in touch with what she's talking about and that the idea of to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh... This will mean fruitful labor for me. And one way to say it is about to live on the flesh and he sustained my days. He's brought me to this. And maybe this is part of my fruitful labor. He's brought me to this day so that I can do what he's asked me to do. And that is to share my hope of glory with you. And I do not know which to choose. And yes, Paul, brother man, I do not know which to choose because I am hard pressed from both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that is very much better. And those words really help my heart. It's like, the more I set my mind on heaven, I was like, it's okay for me to proclaim because it is true and it is biblical. That is very much better. Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And so I don't know if that's for Lincoln's sake or Scott's sake or my mom's sake or all y'all's sake, but that's what he's allowed for today. It says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And then so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus and this says, through my coming to you again, and I can say, if you are in Christ yourself, through my seeing you again, um, whether that's on earth or in heaven. So that's his real gift to me is right out of um, Philippians 1. And then as I um, and then for today specifically, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, and you might turn there. I do want you to have your Bibles. We're going to use them a lot today. Um, but this is, this is where, that's where I am in that flip. And actually that's where you all are. You're just not aware of it. I've said before, even as I write this blog and tell our story is it will be really interesting to see. And it's going to happen. People that are following our story and they are um, walking with us and praying with us, thinking they're watching me march towards the grave without knowing as well that they are marching towards a grave. And I always say, I want y'all to tell me someone that's been following our blog is going to die before I am without a blog. So y'all tell me when that happens. And I'm not trying to be funny because it's just a reminder to all of us that this is all of our story. And you could all be writing your own blog about your march to the grave. It's just that yours doesn't have so many doctor's appointments and warnings <laughs> attached to it like some of ours do. Um, but I've always loved these verses and they're just so perfect for today. But Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is 
Yes. <laughs> so take two without my slang, Texas slang. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Oh, I love this. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. In God, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So for the next, between now and noon, um, that our hearts and minds would be set on things above where Christ is seated and that, um, that we will know that one day we'll be raised with him again. And I am... So very fully convinced that the more we set our mind on things above, there's an old hymn that says, the things of this world grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. And so it really does give perspective to this life. And that's been one of the other gifts of cancer. So I want to pass that gift on to you today as well. Okay, so that's a lot about us. And now I want to know a little bit about y'all. So here's what I've done. Because I do not have a, we live in this fabulous back house, thanks to our friends, but I don't have a printer and my computer is so old school. And let me tell you what you're not going to do if you're facing death is go buy a new Mac computer because um, they are so freaking expensive. So really those are, see, gifts of cancer. When I first got re-diagnosed, I needed a new computer. I was like, well, screw that. I am not buying a new computer and this can just hang on as long as it can because that's fine by me not to have to buy a new Mac computer. Um, and y'all can, y'all can be jealous over that. I'm great with that. I really do believe Scott's right. I think, um, and one of my girlfriends, Molly, I, I love the moment that when she had through tears, she said, but the truth is now I'm getting jealous of you. And I'm like, that's a right biblical view. Yes. It's glorious where I'm going. is glorious. Um, but I want to know where y'all are. So I've given you this um, a handout, a handwritten handout. And we're going to do these questions kind of in segments to guide our conversation today. But I want you to take a few minutes, if you haven't already, and we're going to be quiet, just work, answer questions one through three, and then we're going to have some chance to, I'm, I want to hear from you guys. So just answer questions one through three, and then we'll discuss. Okay, so let's do this together. Um, I can't help myself. I get so excited. I'm going to stand up. Um, I don't know why I'm using that squeaky voice. Um, Okay, so our agenda for today is you've already heard it. We've introduced ourselves. I'm Jen, that's Scott. Um, We've introduced the topic. And then I really want to understand kind of just your general questions and ideas. And then look and learn through scripture. So here's one of my challenges I prepared for today is I've taught this with some girls last summer. But we did it with using a Randy Alcorn book that had a study guide. And we did this over the course of like eight weeks. So here's what I didn't want to do was to have a strict lecture format. But um, in giving that up, because I wanted to be able to hear from y'all and kind of let it be driven by y'all's questions. But in giving up the strict lecture format, then I kind of give up the control of how much we're going to talk about or even knowing what questions you have and whether or not I've like kind of prepared what I would have wanted for those. So um, I'm really hoping and my real prayer has been that we could just have a conversation because those that have done this with us on the Tuesdays, it was just really fun to hear from women, because it was all women, where they were, their thoughts about heaven, their fears about heaven, their concerns. And um, I don't know, it was just a real sweet, um, because it was driven by the needs of the group rather than by the things that are compelling to me. So um, that's why this is just real generic here. I need to understand where you're coming from and your general questions and ideas. And then I want us to look and learn through some scriptures that I have um, to answer some questions. So to get started on that, I just want to hear kind of, how comfortable are you with the conversation of heaven? So some of you by coming, because probably those that really are zeros do not come to the session called heaven, <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, but 
Like somewhere in the one to two to three range, how many of you would just say you're kind of in the one to general two to three range? You're like, this just is uncomfortable to me. Great. One honest friend in the back. I love you, Bianca. Um, she got drugged here by Erica or something because I have one honest friend. Yes, I know my people. Erica Sack, yes, I drug her here. Um, okay, how many of y'all are kind of in that middle range, about five, where I said, it's not torture, but I don't typically think this is fun either. You're just kind of in the middle. Okay, great. And then how many of you can really say like, yes, I'm fascinated by this and I'm really happy to be here. That's the majority. That's awesome. And again, not shocking considering you signed up and this was voluntary <laughs> to come to this. So it's all your friends that you didn't invite that were on one that I need to hear from them. Um, but let's talk through that a little bit. Um, of those that are on the like zero to five, would you care to share kind of, um, kind of why not? What are your thoughts on why is this not particularly fun for you? Yeah, Ashley. So I think for me, it's just one of my biggest concerns is standing in front of God and not mm-hmm. having done everything I could mm-hmm. with my friends here. Awesome. So I don't want to... There's a fear associated with it. Yeah. That I could... I didn't do as much as Totally. So she's just being honest about there's a, there's a fear of being in front of the Lord. Um, and write that down, Ashley, because I want to make sure we cover some of these. Um, there's a fear of... of the judgment that you hear talked about in the review that is told is awaiting us as believers. So thanks for your honesty, Ash. I totally appreciate that. Anyone else? What else? In the kind of bottom half of this, not so sure this is a fun topic for you. Yes. Allison. What? What if it's not real? Love that. What if it's not real? Thank you, friend, because that's exactly where in that hospital bed is like, I've said this. But do I believe, is it, what if the joke's on us? What if this isn't real? So I love that. And thank you, friend. Yeah, what if it's not real? What if my hope is in something that is not a sure found hope? Love that honesty. Someone else? Yeah, Mark. Yeah, yeah. And my, my internal reaction to that is always sort of like, I have enough trouble in this life. Totally, it's great. It's great. You know, when I'm done figuring that part out, then I'll... It's great. So Mark is saying, like, so often, I think heaven comes with a couple of hooks. It's the, you should be knowing something about you. has been forever. And um, kind of a... If you're going to be there forever, like you better, and it's true, store it for yourselves, but almost like a guilt-based pressure that you better maximize your investment here to make sure you get the goody out of it there. And who needs that guilt either? So I appreciate your honesty about feeling like there's kind of a hook with it, if, if I'm saying that right. Thanks, Mark. Someone else. Yeah. And what's your name? Phil. Thanks, Phil. Great. So Phil said, not knowing what precedes it and the events leading up to it. And that produces in him anxiety and not really want to do with it. I would have been real disappointed if someone didn't bring this up because I really think the main reason in my experience and in conversations, the reason the conversation about heaven is hard because what precedes heaven? What's that key life event that precedes heaven? It's called death. So you can't get to heaven without going through death. And I think if I'd said this, how comfortable are all of you talking about death? 
There's a, there's, that's a lot more people that's like, not at all. Please don't ask me any questions. And very few are saying, I'm fascinated and happy to be here. So I think the way I stage this, I did get you over that hump to think about heaven. But I think the real truth is getting to heaven through the valley of the shadow of death is the challenge for us. And I hope that I can help get us over that hurdle today because that was one of the blessings for me. So maybe my prayer for you, Phil, is a little encourage you through that. And, and what does that look like? And so... And he mentioned the events leading up to it. I don't know which one you meant, but there's two things. There are events leading up to it relative to your own death, or there are the events leading up to it. If you, and this is not a class on end times when I'm talking about the end times of the earth, but there's also all these events. If we don't die before Jesus returns, then there's all these other events. So I think heaven will either be preceded by your death or the unveiling of the Lord's forever plan to reconcile heaven and earth. And I think that has some fear associated with it as well, if you've studied much in the end times, the tribulation and what is life going to be like. So, Phil, were you thinking more about death or are you thinking more about end times? I'm thinking of like in Revelation. Yes. Yes. So he was more on the end times, the revelation, the tribulation, the millennium, what's it like in the rapture? And I get that. But either way, whether you die before he comes back or you're here through all of that, I think a lot of that, there's so much mystery associated with those two events. It's almost like we can't get over the hurdle to get to heaven because our mind has to go through that um, process. Does that make sense? So I think that's also kept us from um, experiencing the fullness of um, of conversations about heaven. Anyone else? Anyone else want to say? Yeah. And what's your name? Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Glad you're here. Uh, what does God have me to do? I like that. So one of the reasons you, when you think about how comfortable you are, is kind of the, the questions and the wondering, what does God have to do for me before now? So is that associated with guilt or excitement? Excitement. excitement. That's great. That's awesome. Um, and so Eddie's talking about just his preparation as he thinks about it. He's, um, he's excited and wanting to be prepared and wanting to be faithful, if I'm understanding correctly, in what the Lord has for you up until that day. That's great. Anyone else on the kind of five to 10 scale of why are you somewhere between, it's not torture, and I'm fascinated and I'm happy to be here today about heaven. Yeah. Um, well, you Brooke. kind of touched on it earlier, but um, I, I think I, if you, I'm excited about it until I think about leaving my kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and did I teach them enough? Did I, it's mm-hmm. a control. Totally. We talked about this a lot with women, just kind of literally the Genesis three, the fall, there's a control, the very, and I shared with the women in a women's study, like, you know, our fall and our curse is that we'll want to um, usurp our husbands and take that control. And I've said, you know, one of the gifts for me in this is most women don't like I have to do, have to actively surrender parenting to their husband. So very few moms at my stage in life are regularly giving over their parenting responsibilities to their husband. And that's a hard thing to do. In case you wonder, we're very different and we do things very differently as it relates to parenting and pretty much everything else in life. We could not be more opposites. So we are the studying opposites attract or opposites fight like cats and dogs, however way you want to look at it. Um, but um, I, we shared on the, in the, as we talked about among women, I think it's really hard. And as I shared, I think as women in the church and women in and our culture with a real, could be healthy, can border on idolatry of the role of our, our own view of ourselves and our role within our families as a wife and a mom. That if that's the very essence of my being and if I've defined that as who I am and my job and my purpose and my life. 
it's really hard to give that up and imagine being separated. So one of the gifts of this for me is to put in proper perspective my role first as a daughter of the king, um, second as an ambassador uh, of his message, thirdly as a wife to Scott, and then down on that list is being a mom to Lincoln. So y'all track with me there and what happens, but I think as moms... Um, for those of us that are moms in the world, there is a real tension in dying before we think what we would say is because our kids need us. And yes, I think my kid needs us, but we're going to have to really wrestle with, do I not believe God is sovereign and bigger? And my role is going to get out of whack if I think God can't handle that without me or Scott can't handle that without me. But very few of my friends, Andrea, is that you? Y'all, this is so sweet. When you came in, I was like, that is my friend, Andrea from Houston. And I feel like y'all in the same way that Blake said she won't sit down. Y'all, this is what heaven is going to be like. I have not seen that friend in 10 years. She has flown in from Houston this morning, I think, to see me. Last night. Is James with you? No, this is my best friend, James. Okay, well, this is real sweet. Love that. But y'all, this is so sweet because I just realized I was real excited. And I was telling Scott on the way here this day, he's like, Scott, Janelyn's going to be there and my friend Sue. And, and um, Scott's like, you could quit with all the names. That's really stressing me out. <laughs> and I, I was afraid that like he'd be stressed out to all these faces that he was supposed to know with the challenge of whatever. But I got to thinking about like, this is what heaven is going to be like. It is going to be a glorious reunion where my friends from Norman and I get to be like, tell me what all the Lord's doing since I've seen you last. And I get to be with Andrea and say, tell me about you and James and the kiddos. And is Barbara Dugan here with us in glory? Lord Jesus, please let her be. And all these things that where our lives have intersected. And I haven't seen that friend in 10 years. And does it not blow my socks off that she would come to here? I mean, seriously, people. And how much greater is the reward and the reunion of being connected with those we love for eternity in heaven? It's like there was kind of a hubbub when we got started. Scott and I were excited. I heard y'all greet each other. And I was like, this is just this, all good things in this life are just a foreshadowing of the greatness that is to come. And all relationships and their sweetness and goodness are just a commercial of the amazing, amazing connection and intimacy we'll have in the life to come. Um, okay, so there's the mom thing. Anyone else want to talk about kind of their comfortable, not comfortable with this idea of heaven? And actually, oh yeah, Jenny. Totally agree. So Jenny's being honest and saying she's uncomfortable talking about it. And actually, Jenny, I'm so with you because if you really get excited about heaven, then it's, it's bedfellow, if you will, is you have to be talking about hell as well. Right. And so if you, and that's really a hard one for me, Jenny. And it was hard for me as I looked at my notes, I made a couple notes on hell. I mean, this is heaven 101, not hell 101. But as I thought about it, I, I have the same feelings. The um, the reality that in the same way we will be forever joined um, with our King and forever in the presence of only that which is good, others who have rejected this God in this life will be forever separated from all that is good. So, you know, and I'll go ahead and say now why I see that, but just the idea of heaven is the presence of everything good and the absence of anything evil. I mean, y'all, that's amazing. And so then hell is the absence of anything good. And the presence of everything evil. So when people make jokes about hell being a good time with my friends and we'll have a beer and well, all my people are there, so I might as well be there. That is so theologically correct. Because if there's any goodness in your relationships and any goodness in human connection, that will not be a part of hell. Because it is the absence of all that is God, of God and all that is good. And it is the presence of all that is evil. 
And in great contrast, heaven is the presence of all that is good and holy and right in the absence of all that is sinful and evil and discouraging and trips us up in this life. Okay, so we're getting there. Y'all have actually raised some of them. So let's go ahead and transition number two. What are your biggest questions or concerns about heaven? It's this idea with, of Brooke of, have I done enough? You know, are my kids adequately prepared for my absence? What about people in hell? And yeah, tell me your name. That's Mark. Mark? Totally agree. And when I stared death in the face, all I saw was Jesus' love mm. size, mm-hmm. And so that changed me from lukewarm to open. I love that. So Mark is saying, if you can't hear him, it's like he was lukewarm until in his life circumstances, I presume that's first person reference. Yeah, that when he stares death in the face, then all of a sudden he is looking at the Jesus' love and kindness. And so this is where, like I said, people like Mark and me want to give you that gift without having to stare death in the face. And I don't know that I can fully impart that to you, just like someone can tell you about their how amazing Turks and Caicos is. But if you've never been, <laughs> just tell me more and give me a picture. But there's a limited ability to understand it until you've been, right? And so until you've walked here. But I think Mark is just reiterating what I've said is to go from lukewarm to excited for him was to walk this road. And I, I don't wish for any of you to walk this road. Why? Because cancer and death is a result of the fall. This was never God's perfect plan. This is never good. This is what he hates. He hates cancer because it's all about the destruction of life. And he's all about life. It is all about death. And he came that we might live and live more abundantly. So everything about um, cancer is hated by the Lord. But it's, a, it's such a testimony of Romans 8, 28, that even in the yuck, and I always want to write, I know that God hates cancer. And I always want to say that even when I talk about the gifts of cancer, because I'm just espousing Romans 8, 28, or in um, Genesis where um, Joseph says, what man intended for evil, God intends for good. That what Satan may intend for evil is cancer to destroy my body from the inside out, God can use for good. And I firmly believe that, and that has been true in my life. Um, but this is this real tangible expression of that. Okay, someone else, what are your biggest, again, you've started questions and concerns about heaven, and what's your name? Ashley. We've met before. Yeah, hey, Ashley, I know who you are. Um, okay, so this is kind of two parts. It's, I have a five-year-old who loves talking about heaven, and mm. I don't know awesome. Babe, will you put that up there? Will you put, um, this is my questions board because again, going back to wanting to know where y'all were, I wanted to have some questions that make sure we cover them. So what about (coughs) unborn children and young children? Great question. Yes. Ted Schweinfurth. So I have a question about, will we have any memory of this life? Love this question. awesome. So babe, right. Connection with this life question mark and, um, uh, connection with our past life question mark. Is that what you mean? Cause you mean totally tracking with you, Ted. Those are some of my favorites. Then the dovetail off that. So my concern is, um, will I be renewed, reunited with my loved ones mm-hmm. or will I care? Okay. That's great. Are you still with me? I'm <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was my spiritual gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
connection with this life and um, with people still on earth. Oh, yeah, connection with this life, with this life. Hang on. <laughs> See the curse? My, keep going. Connection with my past life and connection with people on earth. You're doing great. And then Leonard, your question. Do, do this one. I'll get to you. I'll get to you. And his is, will I be reunited or will I care? And will I care? Because of God's glory. It's so hard for me not to answer you right now. Mm, it's going to be so fun today. Hang on. Let me just let my scribe catch up. Did y'all hear me? said, I didn't think teaching was my spiritual gift. And I thought this was. Maybe scribing's not his either. It's not mine. Spelling is not either. <laughs> well, I'd be, that's great. Will I be reunited with loved ones or will I even care? And then put connection with people on earth. And the reason I'm doing this is because we are going to cover these come in order. I'm trying to just make sure by the end of the day that we feel like we have these answered. And I want you to surface them because I'm afraid if I start talking, some of them will get answered in our conversation, but I really want them surfaced. Okay, over here. Yeah. Okay, great. Great. How do I talk to... Love that. How do we talk to kids about death in heaven? Ooh, we're onto all my favorite topics, and that wasn't even on one I even thought I'd get to talk about. Baby, give me the thumbs up when I can take another one. <laughs> about he- death in heaven. Brooke. Okay, so I, I know I'm going to heaven, but then I hear about rewards in heaven and, and mm-hmm. not Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's confusing to me, and I don't know enough about Great. it. Great. Okay, put rewards in heaven. I'm going to put, is this okay, with associated emotions? Sure. Is that, yeah. I mean, fear, anxiety. Control takes in, and I'm like, what do I need to be doing right now? Yeah. Am I going to be okay in Yes, totally. Tell me your name. My name is Michael. Michael. Uh, uh, man, my similar question. Where will I fit into God's eternal kingdom? Okay, great. Is that a, his, Michael's question is, where will I fit into God's eternal kingdom? And is that a physicality or is a, yeah, more like a role? Yeah, Both. Just what you're saying about the gifts in heaven. And okay. Where, when I'm there, what, you know, what will, what will I be doing? Okay, now? that's great. Great. What is, what does life look like in heaven? Right. What does life look like in heaven? Yeah, what will I do is a great question. Decided to cover that one. Oh, y'all are so cute. You're like, me, 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 questions about heaven? I've got questions about heaven. That's why I came to your class. In the very back. And Scott's like, slow down your questions about heaven. <laughs> Hi, Hillary. How are you? I totally don't recognize you. You're right. Uh, I've heard of the, the heaven, whatever it's at, it's okay. Is that- That's interesting. What, I've never even heard that. Whatever. Okay, put question mark. Whatever is sad becomes untruth. Untrue. Okay, that's great. Um, that's perfect. I can handle that one. Great. Oh, I, my, Scott's thinking that's a Keller, a Keller quote, which I will not espouse to be a Keller, but I think I can okay. process that one. Thanks, Hillary. Someone else back here had a question. Yes. Are different, levels? different levels in heaven. Great question. Are you with me? You're doing a great job, babe. Seriously. Are there different levels? Y'all, and Scott said um, that he's not really big on spelling, and I pride myself on being the fifth grade spelling bee champ at Centerville Elementary. <laughs> And yet, I was looking at my handout, and there's a misspelling on my handouts. 
And it really, yeah, and fifty dollar award that I don't have that Mark will give you if you can find my misspelling. Okay, um, someone else had their hand raised back here. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So she is has angst about the angst. So talk say um, the the I know exactly what you're talking about in Revelations. The um, sort of summarize your question for make it easier on Scott is um, the. Right. So, um, angst about events on earth from heaven. I'm going to, I'm doing that generic. I'll be, I'll be, okay. I'll be able to answer that. And I think another, in a broader category. Um, and tell me your name. Violet. Violet. Yes. What's your question? Okay, say it again, Violet. So even if you're if you're seminal on this earth, well, I mean, even knowing uh, what we know about heaven, on this earth, if you find yourself struggling uh, with being too sentimental mm. about change, oh yeah, even when you recognize it's change, it's good. Totally. Um, so, you know, what do you do now? Okay, great. So would you say um, managing the feelings associated with the change in what you expect? Great, good question. It's one I not thought of, Maddie. Where is heaven? I love that question. Where is heaven? Managing the change over Where is heaven? Where is heaven? Well, the violence. Oh, uh, managing the change um, of life to heaven. Life to heaven? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life in heaven, maybe is what I would say. Yes, over here. Okay, I love that honesty. So, um, sadness, anxiety about people you desire to be there not being there. Part of my story as well. What's your name? Great, Wiley. Are you a friend of Lucy's? Am I right? She's a friend of yours, right? Yeah, you kind of look like they're people. (laughs) Michael. Okay, now listen up. Just about your own children. Mm-hmm. So I worry for. I get that. that. Eternal separation from, the, uh, from those we love. Adirondack. I was going to say, can I wrap it up if I've, my board runs out of question at this face? Tell me your name again. I know it. Celine. Yes. Thank you. Obviously, I don't know it. I wouldn't have to ask, but I uh, wanted to acknowledge I should know it. Great. And are you thinking physical body or just kind of where are we? Okay. Great. Where, okay. Where are we after we die? And here's what we'll do. It's that got us to 12 and I'll keep going, but hopefully I'll have time at the end to then pick up some more questions when we're reviewing these. That, Cause I'm hoping that as I go through some of this, again, this was my tension. We could have just gone through these lists and tried to answer them. But what I'm hoping we can do is with these before us, as I go through the things I the next questions on your sheet, as we talk through those, we can start answering some of these. Does that make sense? And then we can pick up some of these 
um, at the end as well and pick up more if you have them, okay? Um, so those are questions or concerns. Of it. I think that's it. But if anyone has one that they're just like, oh, I'm going to be tortured for the next hour not to have my other question up, <laughs> then I'll hear it. Okay. Yeah. I can't find your hand. Yes. Great. That's great, babe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, concept of time in heaven. Great question. We got a three A here. That's okay. I think. Thank you. Of time in heaven. Okay. So then I think we've kind of covered, we've started down the path of, in question three, see, this isn't in the typo I know I made. It's not a typo because it's a handwrite O. But how excited, it was supposed to say, are you about being in heaven? So do y'all see my English, my old school editing technique to do that little thing, which means to slip this? So I just said, how excited are you about being in heaven? And I think we've answered that. But does anyone else care to share about that before we move on from questions one through three? We've kind of covered our anxieties and our conversation about Michael. Just- Reiterating the fact of being able to finally uh, experience the, the perfect life. That Love that, Michael. So he's just real excited about being able to experience the perfect life. And I feel like everything about our yearnings and our tension in this life, oh, it's going to be glorious. Yes, B. Um, I'm excited that the only thing that I can kind of get concerned about is just living forever. Oh, totally. Agree. Yes. So she's like torn between excited and the forever. I asked Scott last night, what are you, I went through the question with him and he goes, this idea forever just kind of overwhelms me. I was like the kid that maybe signs of a little OCD, but I would sit in bed and Jamie and I talk about her boy, one of our boys being like this and I'd be like forever and ever and ever and ever. And like, I would become overwhelmed by how long do you do forever and ever and ever forever? Well, then you never get to end forever. And it just, forever's a long time. How does the Lord work that out? So I get that. And anybody else on the Phil? I'm excited about seeing Jesus. Love that. Excited about seeing Jesus. I love that. I'm going to say something about, well, I won't tell Scott's entire story. Is that you, Lauren? Hi, friend. Yes. Yes, I love that. So I know some of y'all's stories in the room, and it is, I know that some of my friends that I love have sent kids on before. And within the last two months, Lauren and John have buried a 22-year-old daughter, and she's excited about being back with her, of course, right? Won't those be so precious? Like just to get to be with Sam in heaven will be awesome. Or some other things that the people are excited about. I would say I was, I'm excited. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to answer that because I'm going to give another answer away. Never mind. I'll tell you that later. Yes. Hi, Angela. Angela, your Christmas card came back to me. Did you move? Okay, good. Great.
Totally. I love that, Angela. Yeah, Angela's had major health issues and is now blind as a result of kidney failure and been on dialysis. And she just said, if all the pain, like not only the pain in the butt things, but Angela gets her sight. Angela gets to see again. And so, but I, I'm with you, Angela. I got really excited about all the pain in the butt things being gone. There's no more car registrations. There's no more <laughs> on hold forever with you verse. There's no more the, I think in hell you might have to move every day and no one packed. <laughs> And so, and then when you get there, you have to play get to know you games with your neighbors every single day. <laughs> and so like none of those things. That, well, that's, well, that's a perk. See, it's the gifts of blindness, right? So I get the gift of being able to drive, but you get the gift of not having to deal with car registrations, Angela. Um, so yeah, just the removal of all the pains in the butts in Angela's language. She's excited about. Yeah, Andrea. So, one of my love languages is gifts. Mm-hmm. And I know that the Lord has given me gifts of wisdom and discernment. So, I'm excited about heaven to receive what he has for me. And, it, and we're going home. Mm-hmm. And home is the best place. Totally. On earth, but going to Love that. Love it. And Andrew's just saying, I'm so excited about going home. And one thing to think about is if it's called home, you want to think about all the things you love about home and then imagine that times a bazillion gazillion, right? And, um, and then the gifts that await and the hope in that. And so she's just excited because it's a place called home. And I love really that the Lord uses that language. I did not meditate on that much until I started studying heaven. But think about, like you said, home is the best place. And so what's everything we love about being at home is being fully ourselves, being fully known, being secure, comfortable, and all those things in exponentia await us. I love that. Anyone else before we move on and start answering some of our questions? Yeah. What's your name? I'm Annie. Hi, Annie. The music. She's real excited about music. Love that. It's going to be awesome. And then someone else here? Yeah, somebody in the back. Okay. Yes. Hi, Aaron. I love that. Aaron said all the things in this life that don't make sense that she's hoping she'll get to see. And one thing I would add is I do think that's one of the promises that people give us a lot. Like one day we'll understand all of this. I think that's a true and false, but we'll elaborate more on that. But I think that's a good one. I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron, because I think that's one of the things that I was probably you most hear about heaven that are kind of these promises about life that one day all this will make sense. Um, and I probably shouldn't have told you this a little bit of a true and false. So babe, will you add that? Cause it's a question of, will all things make sense? Is that, are you tracking? Is that a fair way to capture that Aaron? Yeah. Well, great. Yes, yeah, Sarah. could not agree more. My favorite thing, she said she's excited about existence where she doesn't deal with her sin. And that's on my, I have some notes here on like the biggest principles of heaven are just like, I like me, but I do not like my sin. And the thought of getting to enjoy myself or, and I love Scott and I don't like his sin either, but like being able to enjoy myself and other people without the presence of sin. And I even thought to encourage you, like if we don't enjoy ourselves then that's a problem on this earth too. So if you don't even enjoy yourself now, then you will enjoy yourself because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think the idea agrees here. I am so excited about 
experiencing myself without the encumberments of my control and my pride and my selfishness and my anger. And, um, and that is one of the things that really excites me as well, Sarah. Anyone else? Something that really excites them about heaven. No more guilt and shame. No more guilt and shame. And if we think about the absence of sin and to really that, the idea of the absence of sin is really one of those principles I want you to hold in your minds that will help us answer a lot of these questions because I think we're so, we can't fathom life without sin and guilt and shame. So, so many of the way we think as we think about heaven is we've projected how we feel about life on this earth onto heaven because we can't even begin to extrapolate those, those, those bad friends that we've been carrying with us for so long. Okay. Now I want you to do questions. Thanks. You had a great job on that. Four through seven on your own. And then we'll start working through those. Do questions four through seven. Okay, let's do this. Let's answer questions four through seven and then take a quick break. So between now and what time is it, babe? (coughs) Per iPhone time, come back at 1045 with the potty and with your questions done so that you either go potty now or you can go down the third floor and get, uh, I think, a snack or drink and then finish your questions and come back by 1045. Okay, we'll see you back. Okay, so now let's work through questions four through seven. Did everybody get a chance to answer those? Okay, starting with the first one, I asked, do you think we will recognize our peeps in heaven? How many of you said yes? How many of you said no? How many of you said, I don't know? (laughs) We're about half, I don't know, and half, yes. Okay, so let's look at some of the scriptures. Those of you that said yes, why did you, maybe someone that answered yes, tell us why you said yes. Someone raise your hand that said yes. Tell me your name. Uh, James, James, why'd you say yes? But great, no, that's okay, talk it out. That is like a deep connection. Y'all, he pulled up this great example. It's from the Mount of Transfiguration. In fact, I want you to read Matthew 17, 1 through 4, loud for all of us. Hang on. Everybody get there. Matthew 17, 1 through 4. We're, James is going to read this. I'll tell you when. In the context of, look at this passage, and you're trying to answer the question that we're asking is, will we recognize our people, and what can we learn about reunions? From Everybody get there, Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 1 through 4. Okay, James, you want to stand up and read it? Sure. You comfortable with that? Yes. Great. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on high mountains by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make you... 
make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Awesome, James. So, James, I'm just going to read it again only because it's being recorded, not because you didn't read just fine. And, um, but six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John, his brothers, John, his brother, and led up on a high mountain by themselves and was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his garments became white as light. This is why we call it the Mount of Transfiguration because he is transfigured. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here, if you wish, and I'll make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And James used this verse to answer the question based on this, um, what makes you think we'll be reunited? So talk us through that, James. Well, I was just thinking that they've never seen that, the disciples never seen Moses, Elijah in, in person, but they recognize them. Do y'all get how great that is? So think about it. And what's fun for me about, there's like 500 references about heaven and the New Testament, but most of them don't have a subtitle in your Bible that says about heaven. There's not a single thing where it just says about heaven. It might say the new heavens, the new earth, but lots of times we're going to pull out passages that you may know from other stories, without realizing that you learned something about heaven from that passage. And James nailed it. Peter, James, and John were not alive during the time of Moses and Elijah, were they? This is someone coming from heaven to earth, and Peter, James, and John recognize them immediately. So not only, we've asked the question, will we recognize our peeps? And the answer is yes, but we will also recognize other people. Do you see how cool that is? That they are recognizable, even though, as this James said, they had never met before, nor did they know each other. Cool, huh? First answer to our question. Okay. And Matthew 17, 1 through 4. Anyone else have an answer as to why they said yes? Um, what's your name? Wyatt. Why, why'd you say yes to will we know our peeps? Um, the story of Lazarus and the, uh, Y'all are bringing it strong. Not only are you telling me why you believe, but they're like bringing it strong with the scriptural reference. I thought y'all might just be like, because that's what I want it to be. Um, awesome. Yes. Okay. This one is so good that I want everybody to pull up for themselves. Well, okay, actually, oh, this is, I'm torn on this one. I don't know if I want to use this one now or save it for the next section. Hang on, hold, please. Jesus informing. I'm going to hold that. That one is so good, but it's so valuable for the next thing we're going to talk about that we're going to come back to you, Wyatt. Okay. Um, I mean, y'all pulled out like two really, really, really good verses. Okay. Anyone else have a reason for why they, um, they think that we'll recognize and be reunited? Yes. And what's your name? Uh, Chuck. Chuck. This is not biblical, but, uh, 90 minutes in heaven. Uh huh. Okay, this is interesting. So I don't know anything about 90 minutes in heaven. So I'm worthless as far as that reference goes. Um, And, okay, this is real interesting. So check, I'm actually glad you brought this up because I wasn't, it's on my list of things we may or may not talk about. What's hard about heaven is there's lots of great things. It's hard sometimes, like I don't know that author. And so I don't know if their basis is biblical based. And Y'all know what James talks about? Even the demons, they believe and they shudder and they believe. So it's real hard about all this heaven stuff. There's lots of books, like five people will meet in heaven. I didn't read that one either. Is that what it's called? 
It's a real popular book several years ago. Lauren, help me. Yeah, thank you. Someone act like they're with me. Five people you meet in heaven. And I don't know anything about 90 minutes. What's it called? Not even it, but I did read, what's the story about the kid? Heaven is for real. I did read that one. And then did that one get debunked or was that all? That one didn't get debunked, but another one did kind of get debunked, right? There's another one that they kind of said this parents all made it up. Um, but what's hard and what's, and I'm great with these answers, Chuck, on why we think that I really am. I really wanted to surface all of our different sources um, because it's tricky and we have to use scripture because even, you know, who is, I do, I have a real heart for the South Dallas and inner city community and the girls in South Dallas say the devil's a liar and the truth ain't in him because who is the father of lies? Satan. And if there's anything that Satan would love to lie to us about, it would certainly be about the person of Jesus and the place where Jesus resides, Right. So now I'm not saying that person, Chuck, necessarily is a liar, but it really did catch my attention as I studied is that I had to be really careful about what my sources were because a lot of people talk about this. And why do a lot of people talk about it? Because this is something that Satan would love for us to be really confused on and to be really wrong on. Now, again, Chuck, I'm sorry that I had to pull your answer out as that example. Uh, but it just reminded me that I had not talked about that yet because... Um, this is what's a little bit tricky about this topic is in looking for answers in scripture. Um, at the same time, I will say to Chuck that, and Scott reminded me this last night, that when in the fall, before I got diagnosed in 2014, again with it, it had spread everywhere. And it's actually spread, it's in my liver, it's in my brain, it's in the lining around my lungs, it's in my bones, it is now in my bone marrow. Where else is it? Did someone Mar- correct me? Marrow. I heard that. <laughs> Hello. When you're the cancer patient, you get to call it marrow or marrow. I don't know who corrected me. Liver, uh, liver lungs. Okay. It's kind of, yeah. Is I think of anything? Brain. Brain. It's kind of everywhere. Lymph nodes here Lymph nodes. Yeah. Lots of lymph nodes around my stomach. That's the other Maybe one. Maybe in your breast again. Oh, yeah. And I'm having a biopsy on Monday because the, statistically... It doesn't travel from like boob to boob. Sorry for saying boob for those of you that are maybe single and really kind of with my boob language. But, um, but once you've been diagnosed, this all becomes completely medical. Um, but cancer very rarely recurs unless they don't think they got clear margins. And it's like, because the boobs aren't connected, like it's not like an organ, it's not like it's, then they don't, it doesn't go from one to the other. But somehow mine has gone. Now I have it. It seems, it appears as of this last week that I am having a biopsy now in this breast that there is now a palpable, which means you can feel it lump in this breast. And most breast cancer is diagnosed even before it's palpable. So my body is just crazy. My doctor keeps going, your case is never normal. Um, Where was it going about this? Oh, before I got diagnosed again, stage four, I, a friend had given me a book a fiction book, and it's called Deadline. And I really enjoy fiction, Christian fiction that's well-written. Not, it's, in my opinion, not always well-written. And I love biographies because I love things that set my mind on things above, but I can kind of get lost in the story of, or maybe I don't always feel that way with Scripture. So I just get lost in it. Um, if you do, more power to you, and I'm just jealous. Um, and there are seasons for sure that I can get lost in Scripture. But when you're reading a story, like someone's story, a biography, or a fiction story, Lots of times those stories have great theology and they really do help set my mind on things above. Well, I was reading this Christian fiction called Deadline and the friend had given it to me was my friend Cynthia and I texted her and I was like, I'm loving this story. I was like, I'm not sure it's like the best 
suspense I've ever read, but I love this guy's view of heaven. And she's like, you know, that's Randy Alcorn, don't you? And he's really got a lot of the foremost, really in-depth studies of heaven. So he's a great reference as Randy Alcorn. And I was like, no, I had not made that connection. But it was this fiction book that the Lord had me reading in like October, November, before I was re-diagnosed in December. And based on that, his view as well in this fiction book was that there were these sweet reunions um, in glory. And that made me real excited. I just loved the idea that we were awaiting each other and that we were welcomed by those we loved and that they were cheering for us from the sidelines. Um, so if I were in this class with Chuck, I would have said that too, but I would have said based on Randy Alcorn's fiction book deadline without a scripture reference. So yeah, Eddie. That's interesting. So he's talking about the presence of the spirit in heaven. And because of the presence of spirit that we'll be able to recognize what the spirit recognizes. And that's great. I think that's an example where you can take biblical principles and apply them and think through how would this apply in heaven? So I think that's great. Anyone else? Paul. Uh, Paul, I'm Jennifer. Friends of the Andersons. You're Bailey's husband. I don't know if we've met before, but I know who you are. You probably know who I am. Awesome. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> great to meet you too, Paul. Totally. Having, you know, great relationships and, and God wouldn't take that away from totally you agree. there. If, it's, if this is just a small awesome totally. part here, it's only exponential up there. Love that. So, Paul, that's where I, I kind of made my own note card. Just kind of what are some of these big picture principles you can remember? Because it may help filter out and help you. And my first one is that if heaven is all the good without the bad, then that's the best there is in this life. And like, what does, the only two things that last forever, according to scripture, are the word of God and the souls of men. And so if the souls of men last forever, and that's what we get to experience in rich connections here, how much more we not enjoy them in heaven. So I think that's a great biblical principle that we can extrapolate to indicate that we'll know each other in heaven. Okay, let's also look, let's everybody look at John 20. Verse 6, and read it on your own, and then we'll talk about how from this you think we, it tells us about if we'll recognize each other in heaven. John 20, verse 6. Oh, I think I have the wrong reference. 16. <laughs> I was like, well, that'll work, but how are we going to get there? 2016, my bad. Everybody just read 2016 on their own and see if you can answer the question. What do you learn about a reunion from this? Okay, John 2016 says, Jesus says to her, and this is right at the time of the empty tomb. Sorry, I should have told you to always read in context. Mary, and she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then Jesus begins to speak to her and says, don't cling to me. I have a sin to the father, blah, blah, blah. So what can you get from that about um, recognition? Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> Thank you for one reference. Laugh to my fairest Bueller's reference. Maggie. Well, if this is after his resurrection, she can recognize his resurrection. Yes, she, she 
Maggie nailed it. She recognizes the resurrected body, right? So this is after he's been resurrected. He's no, this starts answering some of those questions of will we be identified even when we're out of our physical body? And what's hard for us because our physical bodies are so associated with sin that sometimes we want to divorce our physical bodies from heaven because we associate our physical bodies with sin. But our physical bodies are also used for recognition and they're not then inherently sinful. They had physical bodies even before the fall, right? So Maggie nailed it. This is Mary recognizing Jesus after the resurrection. Okay, let's look at someone else. Thanks, Maggie. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4. A few books to the right. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4. And everybody read to themselves verses First um, Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, answering the question, in this passage, what can we learn about reunions and recognition? I'll read it to you for us. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, and this is, we're over here in Phil, we were talking about whether we die before the return of the Lord or we're remaining. So this is about those who remain until the second coming of the Lord. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep. The language for falling asleep relates to death. So this is, let's say this is a few years from now, and I, Jennifer Klaus, have fallen asleep, or I am dead, but you remain. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, that's those of you who are remaining in my example, and remain, will be caught up together with them, those in this example would be saying me, those that have gone ahead, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So what do you take away from this about the idea of being reunited? What does it say? Yes, we'll be saying the reunited, our mind says we'll be caught up together with them in the air. And I love this, so that we... And I don't know if that we is necessarily the we of just those who've remained. I think it's the collective we of the we, those who have remained. So those who are not yet dead and those who are caught up from the dead will always be with the Lord. And I love that. And therefore comfort one another with these words. And I think this comfort one another with these words is comfort each other with the words that we will always be with the Lord. And I think that we'll always be with each other for those that have been reunited and caught up in the air. So do you see how 1 Corinthians 4, 13 through 18 also teaches the idea of a reunion and being reunited with those that have gone before us in death and those that are coming from earth that have not yet died. Y'all following my logic here? Any questions on that? Okay. Oh, yeah, please. Yes. 
Yes. Okay. So B is saying it begs the question. There's a holding spot. And it's one of these questions here, but let's do it now. Okay. So this holding spot. Okay. What's okay. If you can try to listen real intently, like put a pencil down if you need to, because these are really kind of heavy concepts. And what's challenging about this is vocabulary and definition. When people talk about heaven, they could be talking about one of two things in scripture and in conversation, the present heaven or a future forever heaven. There is a present heaven. There is the idea of heaven has kind of three meanings, like the heavens, which is above the earth, the heavenlies, like the galaxies, and the heaven, which is at home with God the Father. And that is available in the present. How do I know that? Because it, and see, here's some other verses, and it's hard for me. Oh, okay, let me... Jesus, okay, we're going to step off of this conversation about reunited because this answers several questions up here and step on to this conversation about what happens at the point of death, okay? And this will answer the present heaven and the future heaven. So let me find that note card for myself to make sure I have all my right references because I made myself a note because I was confident we'd probably talk about this. Okay, um, okay, so I want, I want, let's look at a couple verses. Let's look at... Um, Luke, um, okay, no, we're not going to look it up. I'm just going to talk you through it. Um, does anyone remember out of Luke when Jesus is on the cross and he's crucified between two people? One mocks him, the other defends, and what does he say to the one that defends him? Do you remember? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So that teaches us that immediately upon our death, we will be with the Father in paradise, Okay. There's another 1 Corinthians 5 reference. Finish the sentence for me if you can. Absent from the body and present with the Father. So that reference is 1 Corinthians 5.10 that talks about if we are absent from the body and then we will be present with the Father. So there is a present heaven available right now that involves presence with the Father. Okay. And I do believe, based on all the verses we just looked at, that there is a recognition of each other in that state. Because we've just looked at it. We brought up some great examples. Mount Transfiguration. We'll look at this Luke 16 verse that Wyatt brought up a minute ago. We've looked at, um, they recognize, that Mary recognizes Jesus. So there's recognition. But 1 Thessalonians 4 addressed this raising up. What was raised up out of the grave? The physical bodies. Okay, right? So I think what we have in the present heaven is a spiritual existence that is also recognizable. Now, I don't know how we're recognizable without a physical body, but we are clearly recognizable. And I don't know if that is through the spirit that Eddie illumined or because we have the knowledge of the heavenlies, but that is the present heaven. The best part about that, as we just read in 1 Thessalonians 4, is that we will be with the Lord always. Comfort each other with these words because that is the best part about heaven is being with the Lord always. And then there is promise to us. And this is why I said to you, this is not an end time study because between the present heaven and this future heaven is all kinds of events. There's the second coming of Christ. There's the rapture. There's the tribulation. There's the millennium. And there's lots of debate about even the timing of these events. So that's not what we're covering today. But between today 
And when the Lord establishes his forever heaven, these events will occur. And in that forever heaven, we will be restored to a physical body. And this is these, this, this is what it's called the new heaven on the new earth. So have you ever heard that phrase? So I would just get confused when I'm talking about heavens and new heaven on new earth and new earth. I just kind of put those all in one big lump category that I didn't really sort out. And the way it's been helpful for me to think of it is think in two terms. There's a present heaven and there's a future forever heaven. The present heaven, and Maddie asked earlier, where is heaven? Where is heaven? It's up. That's all we know. And the reason we know it's up is because oftentimes Maddie's scripture talks about he descended from heavens. And we just read it in John before he ascended to heaven. And it'll say he came down. So there's lots of up and down references. So that answers one of the questions about where is heaven now? The present heaven? The future heaven will be established in Revelations 20. Let's go ahead and go there now. Let's look at Revelations 21. We're going to read Revelation 21. It is so rich and good that I want everybody to read Revelation 21 to themselves. Okay? So you get the benefit of different learning styles. Read Revelation 21 for yourself, and then we'll read it together. This is a description of the new heaven established on a new earth. I think it's this earth, but a renewed earth, but it's a new heaven on a new earth. So read Revelation 21 for yourself. Okay, in big picture language, just for the sake of time, what are some things you learn about the new heaven on the new earth? It talks about it came down from the heavens to the earth, right? And the old things have passed away. Oh, I could talk through this. This is so fun. The heaven and the first earth passed away. So this talks about the present heaven that is now, and the present earth will pass away, and there'll be a new heaven established on the new earth. And then y'all tell me some, some things that you would get excited about about this new heaven on new earth. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Just popcorn some things. Throw them out. What do you learn? Everything's new. Everything's new. Is it ugly or beautiful? Beautiful, beautiful amazing, breathtaking. What else? Mm-hmm. Is it a happy place or a sad place? Happy. It's happy. He will wipe every tear. This is another verse that's often quoted about heaven, but he'll wipe every tear. There's no more tear, no more sorrow. This is where it's fun to be good students of your Bible. That quote is only used for the future forever heaven. Okay. And the reason I think that's important as I was laying in bed meditating on this last night is we're going to talk a minute about the connection between heaven and earth. And will we see, Ted asked, will we see things from heaven on earth? I think there's a potential for some sadness in heaven in a, um, not a sin-based sadness, not a guilt, a shame, an envy, a jealousy. But in the same way that my heart is grieved over what's happening in Syria, my heart is grieved over what happens in Africa. It's a godly sorrow about the brokenness in this world. I think it's possible that may still exist. Because in the same way that someone else brought up over here, the angst about the martyrs, clearly in heaven they're able to see, I think Suzanne mentioned, that the martyrs are continuing to be persecuted. So I think there is still some awareness of the sad things on earth. And I think we'll plead with the Father for justice, and he will plead with the Father for mercy, but it won't be the sadness that I have the sadness of being grieved when I wound Scott, or when I'm wounded by Scott, or the sadness I grieve when I see that Satan is robbing me of my joy, or the sadness of not getting my way in a selfish, things are not going well for me. I think the difference may be that in the new heaven and the new earth, 
Everything that is sad is now gone because there's nothing sad at all available. The new heaven and there's a new earth where in the present heaven right now, there is still an earth like right now, right? We're on it. So as we look at, is there a connection between heaven and earth? And I don't know, scripture doesn't say this, but when I apply the bigger picture principles, I don't know, but I think it is possible that those from heaven can see sad things, see also the the reference in Revelation and the Luke 16 that we're going to look at. But once earth has been restored and replaced and made new, there will be nothing sad any longer. Does that make sense? So this is why I said put your pencil down because I'm kind of trying to run some thoughts parallel that are kind of hard because I'm using the words heaven and earth interchangeably because there's the present heaven and the present earth and there's the new heaven and the new earth. So when you're talking to someone, again, this is not, we're well past heaven 101 in case you wondered, but it's hard not to do some of these if these questions come up. But times in your conversation, like a lot of people quote There'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, wipe every tear. And that's a beautiful verse, but that is a future heaven description. It may be true of the present heaven. I don't know, but that specific description, that specific quote is describing the new heaven on the new earth. Does that answer your question, B? (laughs) Uh, So I think the things to take away is I do think there will be recognition of each other because we've looked at those verses even before our physical bodies are restored. But then I think it will be glorious when our physical bodies are restored because I think then we get to experience, as Michael said earlier, the perfect life that we have not known. And what if it was like the way God created me and his perfect plans for me before it was distorted and um, made destructive by my sin or the sins of others around me? Imagine that person. That's who Sarah said, and I get excited about someone that I can't wait to know in heaven. Me, the fullness of God's designs and plans and purposes without being distorted by my sin or the sins of others around me. I think one day, as if potentially one way to consider the new heavens and the new earth would be like a state of the garden prior to the fall before sin entered the world. But I don't mean to go back to just the garden state where maybe there's not also I mean, people start asking, is there going to be technology? Will there be cars? God gave us mind to create these things. We associate some of these things with evil because they've been introduced for evil. But again, we're talking about a new heaven, a new earth where no evil exists. But creative minds still exist. And maybe one of you in this room is the most amazing inventor in heaven. This goes to a question that was asked earlier. I think it's Michael. I keep calling you Michael. So if it's not Michael, go ahead and correct me now. Uh, <laughs> that Michael asked about what we'll be doing in heaven. I think we'll be doing some really cool things in the same way that God made you really cool in the way he made you now. And if Bailey loves to teach spin and I love to play tennis and others of you love fishing and Scott loves to fly fish, I think those things will be present in heaven because I think they're good and godly things. Now, if I'm playing tennis or Bailey's spinning or Scott's fly fishing for selfish ambition or for the vanity or the fear of man, then those things will not be present. But if they're to enjoy the fullness of healthy bodies, enjoy the creation that Scott loves and the great outdoors, and I think those things will be rich and made right in all things good and glory. And how awesome is that? So that's where you can think about these big pictures of like, let's not just because our world is so marred by sin and tainted by our sin and others that we, we want to absolutely celebrate that all that has been marred will be put aside but not without celebrating that all that is good will be celebrated. 
Okay. So we were answering the question, will we recognize each other about 15 minutes ago? Um, Okay, so we did first Thessalonians 4, and that brings up a great question about our physical bodies. Now let's do, um, let's just move to the next question for the sake of time. Okay, so your next question was, question five, do you think people in heaven can see us in the events on earth? How many of you said yes? Fewer than last time. How many of you said no? I would have always said no, because I would have said it would be too hard to see the events of life on earth. That like, I, I don't want to see Scott struggle as a dad. I don't want to see um, Lincoln, you know, oh my gosh, like just, it just broke my heart to think if he were not pure in his relationships. I mean, Lord, somehow there's going to be a shield if he has sex before marriage. I don't have to watch. Uh, I don't know how this all works. Um, but, um, oh Lord, help me. Um, I do not want to see what happens on earth. Jesus, protect my son. Um, And then how many of you said, I don't know if people in heaven can see us in events on earth? Okay, actually that one's a real divide. It's about a third, a third, and a third. Okay, let's talk through this. For those of you that said you think people will see us on earth, why did you think that? Just kind of give us some quick answers. Yeah, Sarah. Yes. Awesome. We'll come back there. That's going to be our answer is going to come out of Luke 16. Why did some of you say no? I've told you why I said no, because I just would have assumed that to see on earth would be sad and produce heartache. <coughs> Anybody else have another reason they said they thought no, they wouldn't see from heaven to earth? Yeah, Eddie? Um, we would see evil Okay, I'm going to go ahead and answer this one. The answer is actually yes, but the reason, Eddie, the reason I got resolution on that is, what if we could see evil, but with a godly perspective? What if we could see evil through the lens of God will make all things right one day? What if I could see Syria, which I can't right now, and see that somehow out of this evil, he can bring good? And that there's such a faith in the Lord that it's... But see, the martyrs even go to him and beg him to bring justice and mercy and say they're continuing to... um, Those that have gone before us that have been martyred in heaven are at the throne begging for justice and saying, do not let them persecute any longer the saints of the faith. So they see that evil, but I also think there's such faith and confidence in the Lord that it's not a seeing that leads to doubt or a seeing that leads to um, disbelief. Does that make sense? It does, but also we don't need to see the evil that's going on overseas in other countries I totally agree. And so he's saying he thinks we can pray for without knowing. And I just say from Revelation 6, I think it is, we see that they see it. So that's how I concluded, even though that was a hard one for me. And the way I kind of then extrapolated that, it was like, what if I could see evil and grieve it? Because I think that is holy and biblical. I think to see evil and not grieve is 
to not have a tender heart because we know it grieves the Lord. The other thing is I know that Jesus weeps, right? We know that he is brokenhearted over things in this earth. I know that he intercedes for us. So now again, this is a gray area, except for the martyrs seeing that. I'm not sure that I'm not trying to espouse. I'm not going to a verse that says we will see evil on earth. I'm just telling you how I've wrestled with it and how I've concluded. So I'm totally okay with you concluding otherwise. But that's how I've landed. Jenny. Yeah, that would make me feel weird too. So Jenny is saying she has a relative that's telling her that her two-year-old shepherd is communicating with a dead relative. And she said, that makes me feel a little weird. And okay, this is an interesting one. Okay, I'm going to give you this. This is my one second. Come back to this. I do want to elaborate. I mean, I want to reiterate that take these own and get in the scriptures with these because some of these are gray. I can see where we land. And I want to go back to the seeing evil. I don't know that it's black or white. Maybe I don't see Lincoln making some poor choices in relationships, but maybe I do see um, other things where the Lord chooses me to see. I don't know that it's all black and white. I don't know that we fully understand all of some of these things. And then, Jenny, I want to finish. We're going to, this is a real, I was, I'm interested in this one because I would have always said just on my gut well, no, there's no conversation between one and the other. And that sounds very kind of new ages and um, sorcery s. So that's uncomfortable to me, speaking to the dead. And I think that is going back to Satan and deception and angels of light. I think that's very dangerous. But as has been brought up, we can look at Luke 16 and then we'll see there's some, something else for us to consider, even though I don't know the answer. But for what it's worth, Jenny, that doesn't resonate with my soul well either. Um, okay, let's look because Sarah and Wyatt brought up. Let's look at Luke. Everybody turn to Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. Luke 16, 19 through 31. I want everybody to read this for yourselves, and we'll talk about what do we learn about I'll read it over us. Luke 16, 19 through 31. Now, there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at the gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. First note about heaven. What happens when he dies? Angels carried him away. I love this because when, when we're answering this question over here about heavens, if there's the heavens and the heavenlies and then the heaven, that's a pretty far distance. And there's something sweet over here about the idea of people seeing angels. And again, I don't know about that because there's not specific verse that address that. But here we know that when he dies, it's the kindness of the Lord, I feel like, to send an angel to carry him through all those heavens to be with the present father. Pretty cool, huh? Awesome indeed. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades or hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue from an agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here and you are here in agony. 
And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that no one, that none rather may cross from over there to us. And he said that I beg you, father, that you send into my father's house for I have five brothers in order that he may warn them. So they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said and begs them, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. And I would say to us today, even people are not persuaded because one has risen from the dead. At this point, Jesus had not risen from the dead. But for those that beg for one more and this are, these are verses that are hard for me that was alluded over here in the heaven and hell thing. That's real hard for me. Um, and yet I know that those that reject God on earth can have what they want for eternity. And it really is about rejecting him on earth that subjects them to an attorney separated from him. But what other things do we learn about communication between heaven and earth and earth and heaven and heaven and hell from this passage? Just popcorn a few things out. Why, why did you mention this when we were first bringing this up? Yes, the rich man could recognize Lazarus in heaven. And what does the rich man ask Lazarus to do for him? To comfort him physically. And what else? Send a message. Yeah, to warn his family. So there's something in here about communication from heaven to earth that, again, if you've learned and studied the Luke 16 story in a different context, you haven't seen the heaven pieces necessarily of that. But there's this ability to see onto earth from hell and there's a reference from the rich man asking Lazarus to warn his family. What else does anyone else? Sarah, why did you mention Luke 16 in this context? Um, because of just ability to see, mm-hmm. you know, well, and it's amazing actually that he knew this guy who was at his gate, and he knew his name. So there's a recognition here piece, right? He knew this guy that was at his gate, even knew him by name, and he calls upon him from hell to heaven and asks, and it assumes that from heaven and from hell, they can see that these brothers are continuing to reject. And he's saying, but they would be warned. So um, do you see in that the connection between heaven and earth that maybe you've not seen before? Okay, let's look at Luke 15 and let's go back just one chapter and read verses one through 10 and see what we learn about um, whether or not people in heaven can see us and events on earth from Luke 15 verses one through 10. Okay, what does someone take away from Luke 15 about um, that informs biblically um, whether or not you think people in heaven can see us and events on earth? What do you see out of Luke 15 verses 1 through 10? Yeah, what do they see from heaven to earth? They see someone saved. And what's the emotion? Rejoice. And I love that. I love to see the emotions in heaven. But they see sinners saved. And... um, I love this in verse 10. It's in the same way I tell you there's joy in the presence of the angels. Okay, so I think sometimes we quote this, that the angels rejoice. So who are the ones in the presence of the angels? That would be the saints. That would be us. And so that was a new way of looking at this as well. So I've always said, oh, the angels are rejoicing, but you have come to saving faith. Not only are angels rejoicing, 
but those in the presence of the angels are rejoicing. So see also, I think I will get the privilege of rejoicing, Lord willing, when Lincoln commits his life to Christ or when family members whose salvation I have prayed for have committed their life to Christ. And then I think this is what makes heaven so cool because if you've been praying and watching a sinner be saved, how much more excited would you be when they come to enter the gates of heaven? So do you see if you extrapolate the bigger picture principles of heaven and God's character, you think about if you could rejoice when they were saved, going back to that sweet reunion that you described over there, Chuck, about when they come in the dates, it's like, woohoo, I remember it. It was such a glorious day when you surrendered your life to Christ and then we're here to celebrate and, and rejoice in that. Do you see those connections? Isn't that fun to look at these passages you may have seen over and over again to slow down and see them anew? Um, okay, let's look at one more thing. Um, let's look at Luke 9, 28 through 31 about um, people in heaven seeing events on earth. That's Luke 9, 28 through 31. We've looked at this story, but in a different section, and there's something different or additional that I want you to pick up in here. 28 through 31 of Luke 9. Can someone share from Luke 9 something else they learned that supports the view that we can see from heaven to earth? Yeah, Mark. Exactly. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That I don't find to be biblical. Totally. They become your guardian angel. Mm-hmm. They become a mediator between mm-hmm. you and God. Totally. And so that, you know, or they become omniscient, mm-hmm. right? They suddenly know everything. Yes. Okay, I'm going to take one of those each one by one. So Mark is saying he sees the connection between the middle of the sea because Moses and Elijah are speaking of his departure, which he's about to accomplish. So they know of the events on earth. So Mark says what concerns him about here is threefold. One is that people ascribe to those that have died and gone on before them that they're omniscient. The reason you're not omniscient is because we will be with God, but is never told that we will be God. Okay. And so this goes back to Aaron's question about, will we know and understand everything? I don't know that we will because I don't know that we're never going to have, I mean, it talks about like the mind of Christ. I think we will learn to understand the way the Lord thinks and sees in a rich and new way, but we are never omniscient or omnipotent. He alone will always be God. So let's take that omniscience thing off the table. And then he talks about being a mediator. You don't ever see this idea of a mediation. So that's what Jenny and John went to. Any kind of mediation, you'll never see them being a mediator, or I guess your third one was the idea of like a supernatural, they take on supernatural powers. Okay. Now what's interesting about the guardian angels, I would have always said, I would have probably not believed in guardian angels before until I found some scriptures in here, but it does never says, I believe guardian angels are biblical, but those people becoming our guardian angels is not biblical. So let's make sure we separate those two. That's actually great. Don't put together the idea that we become angels. That's a real important reference out of the Luke 15, 1 through 10. If anyone ever says we become angels, 
in Hebrews 1 deals with distinguishing us from angels. But Luke 15, 1 through 10 makes it really clear that in heaven there's us and the angels. And um, yeah, so never pair the fact that maybe there is a relationship even between um, heaven and earth and there are guardian angels that those are one and the same. The other thing I would, that again, this is just something for you to know that in heaven, we see praying in heaven for earth. We see Jesus praying for us. That's Romans 8, 31. He intercedes on our behalf. We see the saints praying and prayers for the martyrs. That's in Revelation 5 and Revelation 6. So that's where I'm getting some of this. So I'm not saying that they couldn't be praying for us. That's what I, as I've thought about what may excite me about being in heaven is like maybe being an advocate for Lincoln and Scott at the throne. Um, and the reason I think that excitement is because I extrapolate the biggest principles. And we've talked about this. The coolest thing we can ever do on earth is participate in God's kingdom purposes. Whether that's the salvation of another or praying for another or seeing justice brought to earth. So if it's super cool to participate in godly, in God's activities on heaven. And like you think about verse like that kingdom come, they will be done on earth is in heaven. If those are the greatest things that we get to do on earth. I don't necessarily think that we lose that joy in heaven. I just don't know what our participation looks like. Does that make sense? But I think we've sometimes so separated heaven and earth. And I think to do that loses the greatness. That could almost make heaven like self-indulgent or hedonistic. Instead of our, our role in heaven is still to come under and to worship and to celebrate the work God is doing, has done, and will continue to do until he makes all things right in the new heavens and the new earth. Does that make sense? So again, I'm, I'm stepping from specifics to bigger, bigger picture principles and trying to tread between the two. But I think that I'm glad you answered that, Mark, because you do want to be careful in any of these topics to not walk away and say, yes, now we're delivering messages one to the other. Because there is not, and the answer to this question between Lazarus and the rich man was not that he sent a messenger, right? He asked for a messenger, but they said, no, the messenger has been sent. Moses and the prophets are the messenger. The word of God is the messenger. And he says, but if one comes back from the dead and we all say, yes, one has come from the dead and he has delivered the message of hope for all. Okay. So now do you think people in heaven can see us in events on earth? (laughs) Yes. But again, I don't think we know the full extent of what that is. I don't necessarily think from scripture that it means entirely they can't see bad things, but I don't think it means that we can see the entirety of bad things. Does that make sense? So again, we want to be, as Todd says a lot, we want to be um, firm where scripture's firm and flexible where scripture's flexible. So we, and these are some of those areas where it's not entirely clear how much we'll see. Yes, Kristen. Can you go back real fast to the guardian angel thing? So you're saying, mm-hmm. you're necessarily saying there's not a guardian angel that would not be our guardian angel? I think that guardian angels are biblical. Um, look at verses Matthew 18, 11. I can't find my notes right here. Look at Matthew 18, 11, Psalm 91, 11. I'm sorry, Matthew 18, 10, Psalm 91, 11, and Hebrews 1, 14. Hebrews 1, 14 is a little more challenging because it says it refers to, um, it refers to ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of all those who inherit salvation. So I think that's one of those verses where people come along with the idea of the mediator. But again, you just have to be real careful to take one verse and develop a strong theology or a real position about that. So in guardian angels, I would look at Matthew 18, 10, which is angels in heaven are continuing to see the face of my father who is in heaven. 
Hebrews 1.14 talks about these ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of all those who will inherit salvation. And Psalm 91.11 says he will give angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. But those are always angels. And it never gives the idea. And there's a clear distinction in heaven between the presence of angels and the saints of God. Okay. Um, so, okay. One more thing. Ephesians 3.15. This is kind of a side note, but going to build your theology in the big picture. It's a short little phrase. In Ephesians 3.15, it says, or I'll read 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So I just want to give you the idea. When we talk about the body of Christ, I think we typically only think in terms of the body and Christ on earth. And when it talks about here, the body and the family of Christ, this says from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So that's another point where I think we've made such great separations between heaven and earth. And I think it's because again, we're so uncomfortable because we see so clearly this earth so marred by our sin and our guilt and our shame that we can't separate the good that's present in heaven. And we can't imagine the heaven without the evil. So, but just the idea that the body of Christ, the family of heaven includes those in heaven and those on earth. Do you see how I get that? From Ephesians 3.15. Okay. Um, what do you think we will do in heaven? This one's fun. Okay. Let's, we're going to look at some verses quickly. And you're going to tell me. I'm going to give you a verse. We're going to look it up. And you're going to tell me based on that, what will we do in heaven? Everybody look at Revelations 14.13. When you get there, someone that's comfortable reading aloud, just raise their hand. I'll call on you and I'll let you read it to us. Jeannie, will you read Revelations 14.13 to us? You didn't raise your hand, but I, uh-huh, I want you to raise your hand because I know you're comfortable reading. <laughs> and Great. So it says, so what do we learn about what we're doing in heaven from this, um, from the second part of this verse? Rest. Rest from what? I think we're going to labor as well. So I think in heaven, we will rest and we will labor. I'm going to go through these fast and then we'll talk about them as a whole. Um, let's look at our mind. Let's see what we learned about our mind from 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Let's actually read 1 Corinthians 12. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13. Yes, chapter 13, 12, and 13, Mark. For now we see only a reflection as in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Great. So what do you, what is there something in here? There's some hints in here of what we might be doing in heaven. This is a little bit harder, but it talks about being, well, the very end, do we, we still love, we still have faith. We, and it's not, it's not faith in the face of things hope for the evidence of things not seeing because we will see things clearly, but we'll still be walking in a relationship with the Lord. We won't have to have hope because hope will be made known, but we still will be loving. But there's something in here. What about the mind? Do you maybe learn from this? Will we still be learning? Do you think? Yes. 
Because what? Then I know fully, just I've always been fully known. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. There's the idea of our minds um, continuing to grow and to learn and to explore. What I love about that is that's a good thing. That gets a good thing on this earth, and it's something that I think we'll continue doing. Okay. Will we eat? Someone look at Matthew 8, 11. Oh, I'm sorry. I answered my own question. Will we eat? Matthew 8, 11. Let's look at Matthew 8, 11 and see what we will be doing. And it's a good one. It's a good one. Spoiler alert. Someone read to us Matthew 18, 11. Leah, will you read Matthew 18, 11 for us? 811, sorry. I'm really trying to trick it up for you. I'll give you the answer and then I'll give you the wrong verse. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the east at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So what will we do in heaven? Feast. Feast. It's going to be good. Someone read Isaiah 25, 6 and tell me what we'll do. Twenty-five, six. Isaiah twenty-five, six. What we do in heaven? Eat and drink, and there is no drunkenness. There is no sin. This is a party. It's glorious. Those of you that have, for whatever reason, abused alcohol and are no longer free to drink, those of you that are abused alcohol and still abusing alcohol, will be free from all of that. We'll be free to enjoy the fullest of all the Lord has created for our pleasures without sin. How glorious will that be? Um, some of us that haven't been able to drink for a while will be fired up to get to be free again. Um, okay, let's look at Isaiah sixty-five twenty-five. Flip over to Isaiah 65, 25 and see what we learn about heaven. Someone read this when you get there. Great. The wolf and the lamb will graze together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Who's going to be there with us? Animals. How fun is that? I mean, is that not so fun, y'all? Sweet, sweet moment. Um, and I hope I get to it with these questions up here about talking to our kids. So Lincoln was in the back seat not too long ago. And he said, Mama, can we make a list of the fun things we will do in heaven together? And I was like, heck yeah, what are we going to do? And he's like, I want to ride on a lion. (laughs) And it was so biblical. And I was like, what else, buddy? And he said, I want to ride a snake. And I was like, yes. And then I said, what else? And he said, I want to climb a tree. And I said, a big tree or a little tree? And he said, a little tree. And I said, but remember, buddy, there's no fear in heaven. And he said, a big tree. And that's so fun. I mean, I love that. Imagine life with our animals, a life with the animals, a life enjoying the fullness of all God's creation. Um, Okay, Matthew 22, 30. Uh, Answering the question, what will we be doing or not doing in heaven? 
Great. And so read the first part again for me. Yeah. Great. That's what I need to thank you. For when the dead rise, they will neither mar- they will neither be married or be given in marriage. Okay. This is heavily debated. So what does it say we will not do in heaven? Be married or be given in marriage. Everybody wants to say we won't be married in heaven. That's not what it says. I think it's a verb. We won't be married. We won't be going to weddings. There will not be the act of being married, nor will be the given in marriage. Think of how those two are paired. That's not to say that we won't recognize each other as someone that we were married to. Now, I don't know if I'll introduce Scott as the man I was married to or the man I am married to, but it won't matter because everything else is so, um, in comparison to that, first and foremost, and it's a right view of how I should view life now, first and foremost, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? But I think the significance of this is that we will not be looking for marriage to be taking and meeting needs that it meets on earth. In earth, it is a measure of protection, a measure of provision, is a measure of pleasure, it is a measure of procreation. Those are not things that will be happening in heaven. The Lord will be our provider. He'll be our protection. I don't need to scot to those things. But that's not to negate the who we are. What I think it's really saying, and again, this is a little bit gray, but I think that it talks about being married. It means I don't think that we're going to go up there and get married. So if you're not married when you get there, I don't know, again, I don't think it's going to matter so much there whether or not I'm Mrs. Klaus. I'm just Jennifer. But no one will be getting married in heaven, nor you that have unmarried children will be giving your children away in marriage. Do you hear the difference? But this is one of those things that everyone makes a big deal about. Well, there's no marriage in heaven. I think there's no weddings in heaven is clear here. And I don't know what the role of marriage will be in heaven, but it'll be very different than today because we will be with our ultimate bridegroom and all of our needs will be met in him. But that I don't lose the intimacy that I have with Scott because it's just going to be that much sweeter there without the presence of my sin. So I still have this relationship without the ways that I screw it up. But it would not be heaven and not celebrating all the Lord has done if Scott and I don't get to celebrate and relive the way he's redeemed and done sweet things in our life. That's part of the celebration of what he's doing, right? So in the same way, if we're going to recognize each other, how much more would Scott and I recognize and be excited to see each other and just celebrate the Lord's faithfulness in our lives? And that goes back to Ted's question of will we see the past? I'm going to go and answer that now. In, this, in the context of the bigger picture, will we, will we know the past of our lives? Someone talk me through, maybe based on some of these bigger principles. Or Ted, maybe what would you think based on some of the, kind of the bigger picture as we've talked about why we would or wouldn't remember our own lives? Does that make sense? How would you answer your own question now? Ted's a really smart fellow. I wouldn't pick on a lot of people like this. Well, if, Yes, that's it. That's where I've landed. We're rejoicing in his redemption. We're rejoicing that he ever saved us from our sin. We're rejoicing that he might have used us in someone else's lives. I know their ministry is in West Dallas. I think you'll get to rejoice when some of those kids come through the door. And so it's not like you're going to be like, oh, Jaquante, who is that? Like that's a kid that you've invested your life in. So I think that we'll get to remember our lives in those ways, not in a self-gloating or self-grandiose, but in a true celebration that the Lord used any of us in any way. And that's fun, isn't it? Like what if all of heaven is this fireside chat where we just get to sit around telling stories all day long about the Lord's redemption and glory and work? That rocks. And tell me more about that and tell me what he did with you and in you. And Daniel, tell me about being in that lion's den. And Moses, tell me about having the courage to walk up to the Red Sea and not seeing it part yet and then it parting. Tell me about that, Moses. And Moses is not gonna get tired of telling that story. 
And I think in the same way that he's redeemed all of our lives, you're not going to get tired of telling the, the story of him plucking you from evil. I think of my friend Jenny, and as I've just gotten to know her, we're connected through breast cancer. And I've thought, I can't wait to hear her story. And if the Lord doesn't give us that chance on earth, I can't wait till she gets there. It's like, it's finally time. Sit down beside me. I can't wait to hear how he pulled you out of the horrible pit of the miry clay and set your foot upon a rock. I think of Samantha and John Greer. It's their daughter's deathbed within days before she died. He gave Lauren and I and their other two daughters these just, Lauren and I struggle to find the words of what it was like to be at Samantha's deathbed. And I, I think that our words are limited because it's this mystery of something the Lord did that we just can't even explain to you. I think we'll spend all of eternity sharing stories like that of what the Lord did in these moments that we can't find words for. And we'll proclaim his goodness like Lauren and I do with limited vocabulary today. And for those of you that have lost children to abortion or to miscarriages or to young deaths, I think that it will be glorious. I think of one of my friends and she had an abortion when she was in college and she'd be free for me to tell you that we have celebrated Anna Marie's birthday. She has forecast that her birthday would have likely been yesterday and Anna Marie would have been 17 yesterday. And I expect that I get to hold Anna Marie for Jen Dawkins before she gets there. And I can't wait to tell her that your mama loved you and she grieved so greatly and she's coming to hold you, precious girl. And I get to hold the babies, the friends' babies that have died in miscarriage or died at 15 months or my friends that have babies that have lived for nine minutes. I get to be there and I get to rush in and say, these are babies. I can't wait to hang out with Samantha because I met her when her brain no longer worked and she couldn't talk. And I get to spend eternity celebrating what he has done and is doing and will continue to do for all of time. And I think I get to look on earth and pray for you and and beg the Lord to deliver you when deliverance is necessary. And I think I get to um, spend... um, my dates, my days at the gates, welcoming loved ones, welcoming folks I didn't maybe even know on this earth, but that I have saw, seen come to saving faith. I get to meet you and say, oh, friend, someone said about the time, I really do think it is a thousand years is but a day and a day is but a thousand years. And I think it will be a momentary separation from my child, Lincoln, and from my mom and from Scott. What other questions can I answer? Um, got one minute. Um, how do we talk to kids about death or heaven in the same way? Talk to them about everything. Be honest. Tell them the truth. We tell Lincoln, mama's going on ahead of you. We tell mom, tell him mama's big sick. We tell him mama's going to be in heaven and she can't wait. And is so prayerful that you'll know Jesus too and want to be with him too. I don't lie to him and tell him he's going to be in heaven with me just because I tell him he's going to be in heaven with me if he surrenders his life to Christ. And it's a real abstract concept. So we speak very truthfully and honestly and No holds barred with Lincoln, but God in his mercy, he filters that out because Lincoln understands about a very small fraction of what we tell him, but we are honest because we need to be honest with children. In our grief counseling with him, we are told to always be honest with children. It's never served anyone well to lie to their children. Um, Rewards in heaven, yes, they will be there, but guess what? You will not be jealous. You will not care if someone gets more than you in the same way that when I watched the World Cup or when I watched the Olympics, I never once watched that and thought that should have been me. What the, why'd she get the gold medal? Have you not seen me play soccer? (laughs) What do you do when you watch people excel in the way that they are created to be? You rejoice. When we get to heaven and we see people giving rewards for great, we're going to be clamoring to tell, tell me what you did in the backwoods of 
Kilimanjaro, Mira Mira. How did you sneak into that country with those Bibles, brother Andrew? Tell me more. And praise be to God that he would honor you for your faithfulness. Tell me more. I will not be jealous. And nor will I feel guilt or shame for that, which I did not accomplish. But he will be faithful to reward us. He'll be faithful to recognize us. He'll be faithful. John 14 says, I've gone to prepare a place for you and it is worth it. Come. I don't think there are different levels in heaven. I don't think scripture supports that, but I do think that um, we will be keenly aware of those who've gone before this and been exceedingly faithful. And I think you won't be able to stand the excitement to spend time with those people. It is said that whatever is sad is becomes untrue. I think that whatever, um, I think that just somehow if God, Romans 8, 28 comes to mind, I'm going to ask, I'm feeling that as the spirits informing my heart now that if he can make all things work together for good to those that love God on this earth, how much more can he make all things work together for good with the perspective of eternity and glory? So I think that um, in his kindness, we may not understand all, but Lord, Aaron, going back to your point, well, he makes sense of everything. I do think there are some ways in which we will see how he used, let's say, singleness or heartache or unbelieving family members or how he did work all things together for good in ways that we couldn't understand with a limited and finite understanding. Because it's, we said what we now see dimly, we will see more clearly. In Joseph, it says what man intended for evil, God intended for good. Um, the, someone said, managing the change of life to heaven. I just get that, Violet. I get that it's a big change to go from, um, from this life to heaven. But I, what I love about the idea of considering um, that I want you to take the good from this heaven, but I want us to hold real loosely to things of this earth because the things of this world will go strange to them. And if you think this world is really that great, then I want to know what world you're living in because all I can see in my own life and the lives of those around me and on the news is not the goodness of, I see a lot of the goodness of our God. I do by his kindness, but I also know and see and live the entrapments of our sin in a very broken and fallen world. Um, heaven is up. <laughs> um, and the sadness or anxiety about loved ones not being in heaven, it makes it real clear in Luke 16 that they will not be there and that a chasm is permanently fixed. And if there's ever a time to be concerned about those in heaven, it is now. And so God is, he hates that infinitely more than we could hate it. And so I don't want to guilt you into sharing the hope of the gospel or the hope of heaven. I do not. And that is not my intention. That would be Satan's intention. But I shall remind you that it is our privilege to tell them of the hope we have in heaven. Um, Lord Jesus, I wrap it up because time's up. And I thank you for the hope of heaven. I thank you that you are good, that you make all things right, that you redeem and that you restore. We see that in our own lives if we're hidden in you. And then we get to celebrate for eternity that you will actually redeem and restore even this broken earth that has fallen as a result of our sin and the sins of those who've gone before us. Lord, may we be women and men who do not lose heart. That we may, as these verses that I didn't get a chance to read, encourage us to be of good courage to fight the good fight, to keep the faith, to finish the race. May we, as Paul and Peter did, Lord, maybe these men and women would just go read the last letters of Peter and the last letters of, letters of Paul and just see how, what it looked like for them to set their mind on things above. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us 
to have an eye turned towards heaven, that we don't have to fear death, Lord, because, oh, death, as Blake prayed, where is your victory? Where is your sting? And he has conquered the last enemy death. I love that, that your scripture says it's the last enemy of death because once that enemy is conquered, all we have is life, and we have life eternal, Lord, and you have promised that life will be good. And as I've said, and as we've shared, that we get to eat and drink and be merry and be together and in relationship. And Lord, if I think the sweetest things on this earth are participating in your kingdom purposes, how much more glorious would it be to be in heaven um, praying and persevering and pleading your throne for the case of those we love on earth? Knowing that you are so faithful to hear and to see and to care about our concerns because you love us. Lord, I pray that the message of heaven will remind all of us how much you love us, how much you desire to be with us, how much you hate the separation. If it grieves our heart to think of loved ones being separated, how much infinitely more does it grieve your heart? And Lord, as you have made us that messenger, that Luke 16, you have made us the ones to go warn others, brothers and sisters. Lord, we might be the very answer to the prayers of people like Lazarus and the rich man where the rich man says, go and warn my brothers. Lord, may that be a message to us that we can warn the brothers and sisters of those that have might've gone before them to hell. Lord, that we would be a messenger. We'd be an ambassador, ambassador of the message of hope and glory and life and love. I thank you for bringing these men and women. I pray since we didn't get to these last questions about their confidence in heaven, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that isn't confident of the righteousness and the hope that they, and the confidence they can have in heaven because of you, you are the one, the only one that makes all things right. And only in you, only when our life in that first verse we read is hidden in Christ, can we be found in you and have eternity in you. Lord, may no one miss the message that heaven is only for those who have accepted your free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that gift. And I pray that we would receive that gift first and foremost and enjoy that gift for all eternity. And if there's someone in here that doesn't have that confidence, may they seek out Scott or me or Blake or anyone else in this room that brought them and asked to have that conversation. Lord Jesus, I pray that as nothing else would be an evangelist, if you will, for heaven and the hope of glory that will reflect on one fun thing that we learned today and that you just might give us the opportunity to share others what you are teaching us so that we can encourage them with the hope of heaven that you've encouraged us. I thank you, Jesus. Praise God for the glorious things you've done and are doing in and among us. And all God's children said, amen. Amen.